Welcome to Short Course, Episode 3, for January 18th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. The last few episodes have been pretty abstract, so I wanted to change the pace and talk a little bit about the changes to the gear that I made last year in 2017, what drove the change, and what I ended up settling with eventually. So we'll dive right in. The first thing I want to talk about today are mag pouches. Running in production, you're probably going to have four or five of them on your belt. They're going to have to be behind the point of your hip, and you're going to have to have them more or less vertical. I know some people cant them a little bit. I have have dabbled with bullets out mag pouches, and in fact, what I've been using for the last couple of years in USPSA were the Ghost 360 pouches. And the cool thing about these are they're like 22 bucks, and they come with a belt mount and then a, a body of the pouch for the bullets facing forward and a body of the pouch for the bullets facing out. So you can kind of try both. And over the years, I dabbled and, and tried the bullets out a little bit, but it just it never really clicked with me. I'm not convinced that it's a uh, an overwhelming advantage. I think it's a comfort thing. I think it's a preference thing, and, and it just it isn't it doesn't particularly interest me. And so trying to maintain a pouch that let me waffle between the two really wasn't valuable anymore. And so with that upside of the ghost pouches and the fact that they're relatively inexpensive weren't as advantageous as they once were. And I started to have a couple of gripes with them. One was that they were a little bit fragile. So over hard use, I'd broken a couple pouches. I'd broken, usually, you know, once a year or something, I'd break a spring or a pouch would come off my belt. I had that happen at a match once. And, you know, they're not that expensive. It's only 22 bucks. I actually swapped somebody uh, for their spare bullets forward bodies so that I had plenty of spares. So it wasn't really a money issue. It was just an inconvenience thing. It was a trust thing. I didn't trust that the gear wouldn't break on me, and so I always wanted to have a spare, even though, I mean, I still do that now, but it was just, I didn't trust them. And at the same time, what sealed the deal for me is that as I was practicing my reloads, going for that first mag pouch in particular, I I noticed my thumb would start to get kind of numb after, you know, doing five minutes of, of briquette reloads or something like that. And I finally realized that it was because the the knuckle on the on my thumb was actually hitting the belt mount of the ghost pouch, which is fairly wide. It's actually wider than the than the whole pouch is. And that just wasn't great. It, it, there was no real advantage to it. The, the pouches weren't, it wasn't like the, the belt mount needed to be that wide to be super stable. And, you know, if we're being honest, I think the, the pouches first came to prominence because Ben Steger uses them and he likes them a lot. He, from day one, has had a preference for the, the bullets out style. That just clicks with him. He likes it. It works. But in that situation, the wideness of the belt mount isn't an issue because your thumb isn't going to be that close to the belt when you're running them bullets out. So as a bullets forward pouch, I just kind of looked at him and said, well, you know, unless you want that flexibility, they, they really aren't fantastic. They're fine. But is there something else out there better? Did some research, looked around, and I ended up settling on the double alpha racer pouches, which Double Alpha makes two two types of pouches. It's the same general design. It's just one's made in metal and costs like 60 bucks, and one's made out of plastic and costs like 32 That's the racer. The metal ones are the race masters. I ended up getting a set of five of the racers. They're great. I like them. They're, they, the main thing that I wanted them to solve was that, that narrower belt mount. And it's hard to describe, but the if you look at a picture of the, of the Double Alpha racer belt, mount it is i mean it's pretty much as thin as it possibly could be and hold on to the belt solidly which it does do i have a couple gripes with them sure but they're things i can work around they do work a little loose on the belt after a lot of 
a lot of practice. And so I have to tighten the, the screw on a little bit. I've tried putting Loctite on, but you know, I just slam into that first mag pouch in particular hard enough that, that they just kind of work themselves loose and I just tighten them up, you know, once a month or so. Not a big deal. The, the other thing is the double alphas adjust their tension by a little thumb screw on the outside of the, the body of the pouch, which is fine. It's not that hard to adjust. But I actually, as I go to do a reload, particularly on the first pouch, I tend to sort of sweep it with the middle finger on my left hand. And so over time, I would actually slowly ratchet up the tension on that first pouch, which was kind of annoying, but I stuck a piece of electrical tape over it so that I don't move it anymore, and it's fine. It, I don't even notice that it's there anymore. I've been real happy with those. Again, the, the reason for changing might be relatively specific. I, as someone who, who doesn't shoot bullets out mags and isn't really interested in, in switching back and forth at this point, it just it made sense to, to make a switch to something with a narrower belt mount. The second thing that I changed in 2017 is I kind of ran the gamut of all the different grip panels that are available for a, for the Tamfolio pistols. I started out when I got the gun uh, out of the gate. I was, I, I was in love with the Shooting Sports Innovation scale grips, and I still like them. They're great. They're, they're very grippy. And in fact, if I have a complaint, they, it's that they are a little too grippy for my taste so that when I would actually start ratcheting down on my grip, it would start to hurt a little bit. I used to have a 1911 Springfield TRP that had really aggressive checkering on it. And at first it really shredded my hands and I sort of built up calluses over time and got used to it. I never really built up those same calluses to the, to the scales. I liked them a lot. They were very high quality product. I really like the thickness. Like they're just, they're just the right width in, in your hand for giving you enough surface area to kind of grip without being too wide and making things hard to hit. But the, the texture was just, it was so aggressive that I, I would relax my grip a little bit because if I really clamped down the grip, it would start to hurt. So I looked around. Uh, I ended up coming into a pair of the, the Eric Graffel aluminum grips that are really thin. I mean, so much so that when I, when I put them on the Tanfo, it actually felt more like a 1911 than, than a double stack gun to me. That just, that just really didn't work for me. There, there wasn't enough to, to hang on to. I need more grip space to get a purchase, particularly with the meat of my left hand. I'm a right-handed shooter. And, uh, and they were just so thin that the fingers on my right hand covered so much of the grip surface that I just didn't feel like I could get a, a great grip on them. The texture, you know, wasn't super aggressive. It's a, it's a very pretty looking diamond pattern, but actually, you know, it, it, it turned out to be slipperier than I liked. And just the fact that there are metal grips, you know, in the winter, you're, you're going to lose a certain amount of traction. Uh, towards the end of the year, I, I actually got a set of the Lock G10 grips, which to me, G10 is, is a really nice material because it doesn't have those problems that you have with metal where it gets cold in the winter and, and it can sort of be more texturally grippy without having to be a really aggressive checkering. Uh, so I got those. The, the As of the recording of this in January 2018, the only model they make are thin and it was the same issue with the Grafels. It's just too thin. I, I can't quite get enough of a purchase on the gun with my fingers wrapped around, my right hand fingers wrapped around, the left hand I just, there isn't enough room there. So I ended up all that, you know, going in circles, going back and forth. And I just kept going back after I would try everything. I just kept going back to the wood grips, the wood grips that came on the, on the Tamfolio. And I actually, at this point I had two of them. I have two stock twos, my main gun and my backup gun. And they clearly did it, uh, two different production runs. And I think it was the 2015 production run of the wood grips had a little scoop for the thumb cutout. 
which I wasn't crazy about for the same reason, that it, it basically, it takes away the, the textured material on the grip, high up on the grip, right where you really want it, where the, the, the meat at the base of the thumb of your left hand is really getting on the, on the grip. They scoop that out to make it easier to get to the mag release. But I mean, it's, it's a stock too. Like the mag release is huge. It, it protrudes plenty. You don't need a thumb cutout to get it. It's not one of these GI 1911s that, that kind of needs that, that thumb cutout. So on, I believe the 2016 edition of the, you know, whatever batch they did of, of the wood grips, they, they took away that wood cutout. And honestly, that's, uh, that, that's my favorite right now is that version of the stock wood Tanfo grips. So I actually ended up ordering a, a second pair of those from EAA. They shipped them to me and they, they were a recent production. So now I have that version without the, the little thumb cutout of the wood grips on both my guns. And, you know, they work pretty darn good. If I'm, you know, this is the South. So especially when it gets sweaty in the summer, I'm going to have pro grip on my hands. And as long as your hands are dry, the, the wood just texturally gives a lot of grip. There's a little thin strip at the back of the wood grip that's smooth, that, that doesn't have any texturing on it. I wouldn't hate if they did some texturing on that. I've thought about, you know, doing some hand checkering on it or something. But at this point, I, I, it, it's not a, <laughs> it's not the biggest problem I'm working on. And so I, I just haven't bothered to, to take the time to deal with it. So I kind of switched around. I started the year with the, with the scale grips. They're fine. I like them, the, the, but the, I just, I couldn't, I never built up the calluses. And the more I gripped, the, the more my hands wanted to relax because my fingers were digging into the grooves and not really getting enough traction. But I mean, you know, Alex Goot uses them. He was key in developing the 2.0 version. He, you know, they're, they're clearly a good product. They, they're meeting a market. I just, they weren't for me. So one of the other changes I made this year is I've been shooting blue bullets for years now. And I usually, I've always been a fan of flat point bullets. You know, it's maybe it's a little thing, but in nine millimeter, they definitely do punch a cleaner hole. Uh, A nine millimeter round nose can really, you know, kind of push a pretty small hole through cardboard and you get a pretty big grease ring where I find that flat points I like because they do punch nice, big, clean holes. Sometimes, you know, it'll get you that, that extra alpha that's sort of on the perf that an RO might just breeze by. So you know, it's not a big deal. I, I wouldn't hate it if I had to shoot round nose, but if I have a choice, I, I like shooting flat points. The blues, they make a, a 147 flat point. So it's a heavy bullet. It's a flat point. What's not to love? I've shot, gosh, I don't even know how, how many, probably 10,000 of them over the years at least. The one complaint that I could have with the, the 147 is that it looks like it's a cast bullet mold because it's got a ring for like a, an old cast bullet where they'd put the, the blue waxy lube stuff. So it's got a lube groove on it, which on a 147 that's already a little long, it just makes the bullet that much longer. And 9mm is a tapered case. And so I did notice that I was getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 to 4% case gauge failures because sometimes a thicker, a thicker walled 9mm plus the, the longer than absolutely necessary 147, because, you know, you take out the loop groove, the bullet could be a little bit shorter. It just, it, it was failing the case gauge a little more than I like. And so when they came out with the, the 135 flat point, which is a little bit more of a rounded nose. It isn't quite as wide of a flat point. I looked at that. I said, okay, well, this is kind of interesting. I got a couple boxes of them, loaded them up, and, and I like them. I, I've, I've shot them side by side with my old 147 load. I can't really tell a difference, at least out of a 43-ounce gun. I, I can't really tell a difference in the, the felt recoil on them. The round nose, you know, being a little bit more rounded, I feel like is more likely to feed better. 
it's it still punches nice clean holes. The the 135 bullet weight is a it's a nice amount, and they they can load plenty short. I don't have reamed chambers on either of my Tanfos, and and I don't have any issues with them failing to to plunk in either barrel because it's a it's just a nice compact package. So to me, it's it's really the my my favorite nine millimeter bullet that the blue makes. The the round noses they're they're a little bit too round, so you have to load them a little short if you don't want them to to start sticking in your rifling. So to me, the, the one thirty five grain blue bullet in nine is, is just a no brainer and they're, you know, plenty accurate. They're cheap and they recoil just like a one forty seven. So I've, I've been real happy with those. Another piece of gear that I changed in 2017 is something that I take to every match, but it's not really related to the, the shooting part of it, but it's one of the cameras that I use to, to record my matches. So I'm a big fan of getting both first person and third person video. I mean, honestly, if you just want to improve, if you just want your own match footage, all you need to do is is get the third person video. I I like to get the first person video because it always helps when I edit the videos together and I upload them to YouTube. It always helps to be able to see the targets I'm shooting at. It gives you the viewer who wasn't at the match a little bit more context about okay, what exactly was I shooting? What was happening? What kind of target presentation was it? And and even for myself, a year, two years, going back in time, it's nice to be able to see that because I might not remember every detail of every target presentation at, at a match from two years ago. So I like to get first-person video on every stage, but not if it's going to be distracting, not if it's going to hurt my match performance. And so I had been, for a long time, I was using a, a contour camera, which was a great camera. The user interface is nice. It's got a big hardware switch, so you flick it on and you know when it's running. But it was starting to flake out on me. Contour, they went into bankruptcy, they came back. Now they're trying to compete with GoPro, so they have the super wide fisheye lenses, which don't work for me for for match video, just because it makes the targets look too far away. You can't see the target presentation. You can't see, is that a mini popper or a full-size popper? Is it at 10 yards or 15 yards? And so it doesn't help the viewer to sort of get an accurate sense of what's actually happening at the match. So looking around, there were some other options. GoPro's got a bunch of stuff, but again, fisheye lens, I'm out. There was a, a pretty intriguing like $80 Mobius camera that I've seen people using at matches before. I've seen some match video taken with it. The, that's looked pretty good, especially for the money. So I got one of the, the Mobius minis and I was, I was happy with it for a while. It's for the money. It was, it was killer. The battery life was good. It took Good video, the audio, you know, just because it's such a small camera wasn't fantastic. But ultimately, it ended up dying on me and at the Ipsic Nationals this year. There was just one day where in the, the middle of the shooting session, it like wouldn't power off and then it ran full blast and was starting to get warm until the battery died and then it wouldn't turn back on. I charged it overnight and it worked again the next day, but, you know, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't super happy with it. And the fact that it flaked out on me like that at a Nationals when I knew that I was going to be going to USPSA Nationals in a couple months, it just uh, started looking around for other options. And I ended up settling on what I should have gone with from the very beginning, which is what pretty much everybody uses who doesn't use a GoPro, which is the, the Tachyon gun cam. And the nice thing about this is it has a pretty neutral lens. It, it isn't super fisheye. So it's a very natural view of the stages. You you almost forget that it's even a, a hat camera. And the sound quality is decent. It's not super huge. It's definitely smaller than the Contour. It's bigger than the, the Mobius was. But what got me was the the hat mount that they ship with it. It's it's this big pivoting thing that you clip on your hat, and then it, it just sticks way up. 
and and I just wasn't a fan of that. But luckily from my buddy who uses the Mobius, he'd had to make his own hat mount for that because they don't sell one. And he told me his secret, which is you just buy a money clip and you either, you know, use some adhesive strips or in the case of the Tachyon, it actually comes with some of that 3M. It's not the the fuzzy kind of Velcro, but it's like the Velcro that sticks to itself. And I, I just put a piece of that on a money clip and a piece of that on the Tachyon camera and it just snaps right in. Because the other thing is I, I don't want to walk around with a camera on my hat all the time. Because I just, yeah, it weirds me out when I'm talking to somebody and I'm not sure if the camera on their hat is running. So I make sure to take it off when I'm not shooting. And that, that 3M, whatever, non-loopy Velcro works great. I can just snap it right on. It's It doesn't stick up too high. It gives a very natural point of view. And, and I've been really happy with it. And then the final thing that I changed in 2017, actually, I made the, the initial change in 2016, in the, the waning days of 2016. I made the switch from shooting an MMP Pro to shooting a Tenfolio Stock 2. And there are a bunch of reasons behind that, very few of which have to do with the fact that it's a 43-ounce steel gun. A lot of it was the fact that I wasn't super happy with the MMP. It was it was a fine gun. I got into it because I wasn't really interested in in gunsmithing and I didn't I wasn't really keen on the whole double single thing. I'd been shooting a Glock for a couple of years, and I kind of like the polymer simplicity and everything, so going to a, an MMP seemed like a natural fit, but over time, I started to really wear out the MMP just as I was reloading. I would just chip away at the magwell, and both of my MMPs at the time started to show serious wear on the on the grip. One of them I got that had already been pretty beaten up, but but I definitely was adding to it, and it made me cautious. It made me unwilling to practice as hard as I possibly could because I was worried about damaging the polymer frame. So that was a bit of a downer. I didn't, I, I hated the, the MP pro factory sites. The front blade was way too wide. It had like a 60 width fiber instead of the 40 that all the Dawson's run on, but that was fine. Cause I just replaced it, put a, a Dawson fiber front on it. And Dawson used to make a adjustable rear for the MP pro. Well, they stopped making it. And I emailed Dawson, I mean, this was summer of 2016, so a year and a half ago, and they said, yeah, they've stopped making them, Dave's planning to redesign it, and when it's redesigned, it'll be back up on the website, but they don't know when that'll happen, so sorry. And, you know, some people would say, why do you care, what do you need an adjustable site for, you plan to change your bullet weight all the time, but I, I like them, I like having the option, I like knowing that I can dial in on the range as things change, if, you know bullet or if I change powder or overall length or anything that, that I can 100% get the site as dialed in as I want to be. You know, some people they'll just get, you know, cause Dawson will work with you and, and send you another free front site. If the one that you order doesn't quite hit where you want it to, you know, so their, their customer service isn't really at fault there, but at the end of the day, MMP wasn't, or the Smith and Wesson wasn't making the site for the MMP and nobody else was, nobody made a, an adjustable rear site that really fit what I was looking for. So that was kind of a bummer. And then I just, I never really had a hundred percent confidence in the, in the accuracy of the gun. You know, one of the MMPs that I had was from in the earlier generations. It had had a KKM drop in barrel put into it. It never really blew me away with the accuracy. I never really thought that it was terrible, but it never, I, I always wondered, I always had that lingering doubt and it was just not that, you know, when you would go to press on the slide, the, the barrel and the slide unlock 
pretty easily compared to something like a hammer-fired gun where you have the hammer holding the, the slide and the barrel locked together for a good little while as the bullet exits the bore. So all those things, you know, it just contributed together. And I was actually looking at getting... I know Apex makes their match-grade barrel for the MNP, and one of the things that they sell it on is that the barrel and the slide move together longer before they start to unlock, which seems on its face like a good idea for the reasons I just mentioned. But, you know, you buy a $500, $600 M&P Pro, you put an Apex trigger in it, you put an Apex barrel in it, you put some Dawson sights on it, and you're not that far away from a $900 Tampo Stock 2 that really all it needs is a couple springs and a new Dawson front sight. So the money aspect of it wasn't really a, a great reason, and I was on the path to being a GM. And so I thought, okay, if I'm a GM, like what gun does it make sense to shoot? And I started looking at it and the, you know, the Tampo, it's got front cocking serrations, which is something I really liked on my 1911 that I never really had on the MNP. Even the MNP 2.0s, the front serrations on them are so small, it's kind of a joke. But the, the Tampos, they've got them. They've got really aggressive front strap checkering. At the time, I was, I was a big fan of thumb safeties as sort of a, a way to get higher leverage on the gun, give yourself a higher purchase, almost sort of a another kind of production legal gas pedal type deal. And the the Tampo had all those. It was under a thousand bucks. And I knew that if I had that, like I would at least be in the game. I wouldn't be at a hardware disadvantage. I didn't think it would instantly make me better. And in fact, I knew that it was going to be a challenge going to the DASA. But I knew that at least if I did that, I wouldn't be able to doubt the gear. I'd have as accurate a gun as anybody else in the sport. So I I switched and it all through 2017 put about 15,000 rounds through the the two stock twos, which isn't a whole heck of a lot for switching platforms, but it was definitely enough to really at this point it feels like home to me. You know, when I pick up the MNP, it feels more foreign and the the stock two just fits in my hand. And that's I'm happy with that. It's pretty much everything that, that I was hoping it would be. I you know, did a certain amount of spring swapping and a little bit of polishing and smithing just to get the, the trigger weights to be a little bit lighter. But honestly, most of that was, was just the changing the, the springs to be a little bit lighter than the factory heavy configuration. And since then, I just kind of, I, I mean, I, I don't really have to baby them for being, you know, shooting a polymer gun. I, I had this, this thought that these metal guns were sort of, especially the the Italian tenfolio were like these these delicate little flowers and that the CZs broke parts all the time. And I, you know, I just, I haven't had that problem. And uh, they've been, they've just been tanks to me and, and I like them. They, they run, they shoot where I aim them. They, the, the slide is easy to manipulate. The trigger works. The, they go off when I've, when I, when I load the ammo correctly, they go off every time. So, you know, I, I can't say that I necessarily would recommend it to everybody. I mean, just especially for a newbie, it's it's hard to justify. But, you know, for me, where I was in my career, wanting to have the best available option and have something that would remove all doubt that I was that I would be on a competitive even playing field with with the, you know, the people winning nationals, uh, it worked. And it's just gotten out of my way and I just shoot it. And so that's definitely been a uh, a positive experience and I I can't really see I mean the, the Shadow 2s look nice, honestly, if if I had to shoot those instead of stock twos, I don't think I would really have a problem. They, everything that the shadow one was missing that the stock two had 
they added to the shadow too. So the, the front serrations are in the right place and they're much deeper and easier to grip. And the, you know, the mag button's way bigger. And so, you know, they're, it's all kind of good, but I got a couple of stock twos. I like them. They shoot good. Um, if I can get another one, I'll probably get one and, and just keep shooting them. So that, that's definitely been a positive upgrade that, that I've been happy with. So that wraps up this episode of Short Course. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Facebook at Benberry Shooting and Instagram at BSBerry. I post my match videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash USPSA. No spaces or dashes, just all spelled out. If you have a question or you just want to tell me something, you can email me at podcast at berryshooting.com, and I'll talk to you next time.